Well, good morning. Uh, y'all are so much better than the first crowd. Uh, they, I had to give them two or three chances on that. All right. Hey, I'm going to take a survey today, and I would like for you to respond by raising your hand if this applies to you. All right? If it doesn't apply to you, that's fine. It's no big deal. You can still go to heaven, so don't worry about it. All right? So here's the survey. How many of you use Snapchat? I thought there'd be more than that. All right, well, I do. Uh, that's how we keep up with the world's greatest grandbaby. We get to see videos every, every day. All right? Uh, how many of you use Twitter? Uh, several more. I, I, I use Twitter as well. How many of you uh, use Skype? Yeah, yeah, I'll probably be doing that this week. How many of you use Instagram? All right, quite a few of you do. Okay. Now, here's the big one How many of you text? Yeah, there we go. That's just about everybody. Now, I came across a graph that's a graphic that is called Data Never Sleeps. We'll put this up and we'll show you something. This, this is 2017, every minute of every day. Here's the stats. We're going to zoom in. The first one, Snapchat users share 527,760 photos every minute of every day. Does that blow your mind? It's amazing. Well, look at this next one. Spam emails. 103,447,520 spam emails every minute of every day. Now, I can, I can understand this one, right? I mean, that's the reason you can't keep that junk folder clear is because so many are going out. Let's look at another one. Twitter. 456,000 tweets every minute. Let's look at, at another one. Skype, 154,200 calls are made on Skype every minute. Let's look at another one. Instagram. Instagram users post 46,740 photos every minute of every day. Now, look at this one. Text messages. 15,220,700 text messages sent every minute of every day. And that's just your teenager. <laughs> Imagine if it was everybody. Now, this is everybody. 15,220,700 text messages sent every minute of the day, every day of the year. Here's the lesson. We have a lot of conversations going on every day with a lot of people. Lots of conversations every day with people. Now here's my question. If we're going to have conversations, what if we decided to make at least some of those intentional conversations? Early on the morning of June 7th this past year, I was walking my dog and, and I was reading Twitter just passing the time as we were walking through the neighborhood. And, and I read this post from Kevin Izell. It, it, it shocked me really. Kevin Izell posted this. He said 16.7 million the number of gospel conversations if all 46,000 Southern Baptist churches would share with just one person each day for a year. If every church would share with one person each day for a year, not everybody in that church, but if that church would average one gospel conversation every day for a year, and if all Southern Baptist churches do that, we would have 16.7 million gospel conversations next year. When I read that, I stood there 
It was on Hattie Road. I, I know exactly where I was standing. I stood there and I looked at that and I was challenged by the possibility. What if our church did that? What if our church saw this not, at a, not as a statistic, but as a challenge? And I literally said out loud as I looked at that tweet, count me in. Nobody else was around except my dog, but, but I said, count me in. And so I, that morning, I came directly to Chris's office before I even went to my office. I went to Chris's office, I sat down, I showed him the tweet, and we planned out what we call the 365 challenge. And the idea is simple, but the outcome could be supernatural. What would happen if our church averaged one gospel conversation a day for a year? Not only God knows the answer to that question, but certainly lives would have the potential of being changed dramatically. Think about it. <clears throat> what if between now and next September, every day was a gospel conversation day for our church family? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a really hard one. You might need to ask your neighbor, but, but y'all, together y'all can figure it out. How many days are in a year? How many? 365. <laughs> Three, 365 is the number we're going to go with. <laughs> is it possible? I think in terms, and these are, is it possible that as a church we could average 365 gospel conversations between now and September of next year? Is that possible? For some of you, you may say, well, that, that sounds a little like it's kind of too big of a goal. That's, that's pretty lofty. I mean, averaging a gospel conversation every day for a year, that kind of sounds a little high. And it may be if we were asking you to have 365 gospel conversations. And quite frankly, I'm not there yet either. That would be a lofty goal for me to say I'm going to have 365 gospel conversations every day for a year. I'm not there yet. I want to get there, but that's not where I am. But But what about as a church, if we kind of all worked on it together, is it possible that we could do 365 gospel conversations in a year? And to show you how easy that would be if we took this seriously, I want you to think of this. On any given Sunday morning, except in the summertime, but on any given Sunday morning, we have 650 to 700 people gathering in our three worship services uh, on Sunday morning. So just think about this. If a little more than half gave this a try, This week, we could meet this goal in one week. Now, I know know that probably won't happen, but but if some of us work towards it this week, we could meet this goal in in two weeks or three weeks. Here's the good news. With 700 people approximately coming on Sunday morning, I only need about half of you to be obedient. Okay? I only need about half of you to kind of take this thing seriously. But, but even if you just had one gospel conversation this year, between now and next September, if you just had one gospel conversation, and if all of us just had one gospel conversation, we would well exceed 365 by September of next year. Now, here's why you need to do this. If you're a Christian, I want you to consider how you wound up in the kingdom of God. Most likely, your story involves a gospel conversation with someone somewhere. Might have been a father or a mother or a grandparent or a friend or a pastor, but somewhere along the way, if you're a Christian, there probably was somebody somewhere who had a gospel conversation with you. And because of them, you had a life-changing turning point. 
Did you know that studies show that 87% of all the people who come to faith in Christ do so because they were introduced to Christ by a friend who had a gospel conversation with them? 87%. There's a great story in the Bible that illustrates the power of a gospel conversation. But before we read the text, I want to tell you the story. You can go ahead and open your Bible if you want to. It's found in Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8. Just open your Bible, and then once you find Acts chapter 8, just kind of lay it to the side. Lay it on the pew there beside you, and we'll read the story in a few moments. <clears throat> so let me just tell you the story before we read it. There was a, a man from Ethiopia. Now, look on the map here we put up on the screen to remind you of where Ethiopia is. It's in what is called the Horn of Africa. Uh, there was a man from Ethiopia who lived right there, and, and he was a eunuch. He was an important official in charge of all the finances of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. This Ethiopian man was what we would call a seeker today. And that, what I mean by that, he did not yet know God, but he was genuinely interested in seeking out God. He was trying to figure out who God is and, and, and what it means to know God. And the Bible says that this man went to Jerusalem to worship. Let me show you where Jerusalem is. You see Israel there. Uh, I've marked it there near the top of the map. So you can see he's a good distance away from Israel. He's a good distance away from Jerusalem. But living in Ethiopia, living in this land of idols, he had this desire to worship God. And somehow he heard that he could go worship this God in Jerusalem. So living in Ethiopia, he decides to travel from Ethiopia up to Israel to worship this God. Now, this is interesting on several levels. First of all, he did not yet know God, but he wanted to worship Him. Some have called him a God-fearer, which is a word that you would use to describe a Gentile who's interested in God but not yet converted to Judaism. Another reason this is interesting is because he traveled thousands of miles to go to this temple of God that he did not yet know. In fact, I with the marvels of modern technology, I wondered how far is it from Ethiopia to, to Jerusalem. So I just Googled it, and let me show you how far it is. 2,605 miles from Jerusalem. If you were to drive today from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem, 2,605 miles. And according to Google Maps, it would take you 131 hours if you drove it straight through that would be approximately 5.5 days without stopping. In a modern car, if you were to drive from Ethiopia to Israel, five and a half days in a car without stopping to get there. Uh, some of you are doing the mass OMS, that's like 30 miles an hour or something, you know. It, it, it's a hard road, it's a desert road, and then you've got to take a ferry across the Red Sea. It's, it's a long way to get there. So if it takes you five and a half days to get there by modern vehicle, what kind of a journey was it to travel there by chariot? So it shows you something of how much this man wanted to go to Jerusalem to worship this God he did not know. That was in, another interesting thing about this journey. Once he got there, he couldn't go in the temple. The closest he could get to this God that he did not know was the outer courts of the temple. Let me show you this picture. You know where the outer courts are? The temple proper was right in the middle of that picture that you see there. That's, that's in essence the temple. The outer courts is everything within those big walls. That big open area is called the outer courts of the Gentiles. That's where the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were allowed to go. 
And because he was a Gentile and because he was a eunuch, that was as far as he could go. That was as close as he could get to the temple. He couldn't go in the other courts inside the temple area. So here he is traveling probably weeks by chariot to go worship this God he did not know. And the best that he could do was to stand in the outer courts to try to worship this God that he didn't know. Now, after he did that, I don't know how long he stayed in Jerusalem, but then he goes back home. On his way home, he had a servant that was driving the chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. Where he got a scroll of Isaiah, we do not know. I mean, you couldn't go to Lifeway Bookstore and pick one up. And so, we don't know if he borrowed one from Candace the Queen, or my theory is, because he was, he was a man of financial means, probably once he was in Jerusalem, he bought a copy which would have been extremely expensive to buy a whole scroll of the book of Isaiah. But somehow he got his hands on the book of Isaiah, and he's reading that as his driver is driving him back on this long journey back home. Now, it's interesting what he was reading. He was reading Isaiah through the book of Isaiah, and he comes to Isaiah 53. And the Bible tells us, we'll see it in a moment, that as he was reading, he was reading out loud. But you do that a lot too, don't you, when you're trying to figure something out? You know, when you're just reading something, you just you can read it silently. But if you're really trying to figure something out, many times you read it out loud because you're trying to process it and understand it. And that's what he was doing. He was reading the Scripture out loud. And as he traveled, reading out loud, we know exactly what he was reading. It's, it's interesting. We know the, the exact text he was reading. He was reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And here we're going to put it on the screen. Here's what he was reading out loud. Would you read it out loud with me? Let's just do what he was doing. Would you read this out loud with me? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That's Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. Now, as he was reading this out loud, there was another man who stepped into his life. A man he had never met. Total stranger. This other man was named Philip. Now, Philip was one of the deacons of the first New Testament church. Philip was not a pastor. He was not a preacher. He was not an evangelist. He was not... He was not uh, a staff person that we would call today, uh, Philip was a deacon. And one day, just a common ordinary day, the angel of the Lord told him to go south down the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip didn't know why he was supposed to go down that road. He just knew the Spirit of God prompted him to go down that road. And when he went down that road, he saw a chariot. And when he looked closer, he saw a man in the chariot. And it looked like he was reading something. And the Spirit of God told him, go stand near the chariot. And when he stood near the chariot, he could hear that the man was reading Isaiah 53. And it just so happens, as he approached the chariot, the man was reading these verses. And Philip asked him a question. It went something like this. Hey, how you doing? Nice day, isn't it? I threw that part in. That really is not in Scripture. But this part is in Scripture. Philip said to him, you understand what you're reading? Total stranger. Asking the guy in the chariot, you understand what you're reading? Now, the Ethiopian man said this, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Do you know what that indicates? 
He's been trying to understand it. He's been trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. He, he's been trying to process it. He's been reading it out loud. Uh, he, he's read the first 53 chapters of Isaiah, and he's trying to figure out what this is all about. But don't miss this. This Ethiopian was perhaps a God-fearer. That is, someone who was seeking God. And he went to worship that God he did not know at the temple in Jerusalem. And he traveled probably weeks to get there. And when he comes back, he's got the Word of God in his hands. And still he cannot understand what he's reading. He needs someone to tell him about Jesus. In fact, the Ethiopian asked Philip this question. He said, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And the Bible says that, that, that Philip used that very passage of Scripture, this passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. Do you know, by the way, that Jesus is found all through the Old Testament? Jesus re is referred to all through the Old Testament. And that day, the Ethiopian man found what he had been seeking. He trusted Christ as his Savior. He was later baptized by Philip. And for the rest of his life, he could look back to a life-changing gospel conversation he had with a total stranger at just the right moment. Did you hear what I just said? For the rest of his life, he could look back to a gospel conversation he had with a total stranger at just the right moment. I wonder, I wonder if maybe there's somebody that comes across your path or you go across their path, and I wonder if maybe there's somebody who needs to know the Jesus you know. <clears throat> Can I ask you a question this way? Can anyone point to a life-changing gospel conversation they've had with you? Anyone? Can anybody point to a gospel conversation they've had with you? And for some of you, you'd say, yes, Absolutely. My other question would be this, how long ago was that? And for some of you, you say, no, I don't know that anybody could ever point to a gospel conversation I've had with them. And my question to you would be, would you like for that to change? So, Pastor, what is a gospel conversation? Well, since we're going to be talking about that this year, and we're going to be asking you every Sunday, how many of you had a gospel conversation this week? Let me give you a kind of a point of reference. Let me give you a definition of what of how we're using the term gospel conversation. I want you to learn this. A gospel conversation is a conversation where you intentionally tell someone something about Jesus. That's exactly what's happening in this text. So I want you to say it with me. I'll say it one more time, and then I want you to repeat it. A gospel conversation is a conversation where you intentionally tell someone something about Jesus. And would you say that with me now? A gospel conversation is a conversation where you intentionally tell someone something about Jesus. Now, it's not just mentioning God's name. I don't want you to, I don't want you to tell me next week, hey, pastor, I, I mentioned God's name. I had a gospel conversation this week. I don't want you to say, hey, pastor, I, I told somebody I was praying for them. That's not a gospel conversation. It's a good thing to pray for people. And I'm not saying, hey, pastor, I invited someone to church this week. I hope you do that every week, but that's not a gospel conversation. A gospel conversation is a conversation where you intentionally tell someone something about Jesus. Does that make sense? It's a conversation where one, in one way or another, Jesus becomes the subject of that conversation. 
Now, how does that happen? How can Jesus become the subject of our conversations? Well, you've heard the story. Let's read it now because there's some clues here to help us have gospel conversations. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure at Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone Someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. There's some great clues here that I help you and I have gospel conversations this week and this year. I'm, I'm going to give you four of them. I want you to write these down because I want you to refer back to it. I want you to try to use this. I want you to try to implement it. Maybe write it in the column of your Bible. Somehow hang on to it so that you can put this into practice this week as I'm going to try to do as well. So four clues as to how we can have gospel conversations. Number one, be sensitive to God's leading. Be sensitive to God's leading. In verse 26, look what it says. Now, angel of the Lord said to Philip, what's that next word, church? What's that next word? Go. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. In other words, the Spirit of God told him, the angel of God told him, to go to a specific location. Now, don't miss this. Told him where to go, to a specific location. Then look in verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Not only was Philip told to go to a specific location, he was told by the Spirit of God to go to a specific purpose, or person. Now here's what I want you to learn from that. We don't get to pick the place or the person. We just get to decide if we're going to be obedient or not. We don't get to pick the, the place and say, well, Lord, I, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go over there. We, we don't get to pick the place. If we're sensitive to the Spirit's leading, if we're going to listen to what the Spirit is saying, you don't get to pick the place and you don't get to pick the person. You just get to pick whether or not you're going to be obedient. So just stay sensitive to God. And let God speak to you about where He wants you to go and who He wants you to talk to. I, I was reading a story in Baptist Press this week about a, a man who for years now, has handed out hundreds and hundreds of gospel tracts. And, and he was handing out a tract uh, in uh, Subway, the, the Subway sandwich shop. And, and he said to the lady as he handed out the tract, he said, listen, I, I've got something, this little booklet here that has changed my life. And you know what? I, it might change yours as well. It tells the story of, how, of, of what changed my life. And, and on the back here, I put my name and my email address. And if you got time... I'd like for you to read it, and then if you have questions here, here's how you can contact me. Thank you for serving me today, and I just want you to have this and take a time, some time to read it. Would you do that? He handed it to her, and guess what she did? 
She took it. And in his little article that he wrote, he said, I've done that over and over and over and over, hundreds and hundreds of times. And he said, I've only had one person out of all those hundreds of times reject the tract. And then he said this. He said, I bet people would take it from you too. See, people are curious. People are searching, just like this man was searching. And we don't get to, we don't get to choose where or when. And in the story that he tells in Baptist Press, he said, I just felt that, that familiar voice telling me I need to speak to her. So offered her a track. He talked about going to uh, pay for his parking uh, at the airport. And, and he said, I felt that familiar voice speak to me again, telling me I needed to give a track to that, to that lady at the toll booth. And, and he tells the story of that. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just, don't, I'm just asking you to be sensitive to God. And if God speaks to your heart this week and says, go here, speak to him or speak to her, just be sensitive to God's leading. Number two, the second clue that will help you is this. Ask questions to determine where God is working. Ask questions to determine where God is working. What was the question Philip asked in verse 30? Somebody said out loud, what was the question? Do you understand what you're reading? It's a great question, and questions do three things for us. Number one, they help you determine the person's spiritual condition. When you ask questions, it helps you to determine that person's spiritual condition. Number two, asking questions helps you to avoid talking more than you listen. It's very, very important when you ask questions to listen, and it gives you the opportunity to have a conversation. Number three, questions help you determine the person's openness to hearing about the Lord. So he asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip didn't start this way. Everybody look here. He didn't start this way. Hey, are you a Christian? Have you heard the Roman road? Do you know what Romans 3.21 says? Romans 3.23? And nothing wrong with the Roman road. I want you to be able to do that. But he started with the conversation. He didn't start with the presentation. He started with the conversation. That's what I'm asking you to do. Just try to have some conversations. It might lead to a gospel presentation, but you'll probably never get to the presentation without a conversation. Does that make sense to anybody? See, a question is a great way to start a conversation. A question is a great way to transition to the gospel. So let me give you five good questions you can ask. You can add to this list. You can put five more on there. But here's five good ones. Number one, do you have any spiritual beliefs? There's nothing threatening about that question. It's a good open door kind of a conversation. Uh, do you have any spiritual beliefs? That's good, uh, one good question. Number two would be this. To you, who is Jesus? Could I ask you a question? To you, who is Jesus? That's especially a very good conversation if you're talking to somebody from a different country, uh, somebody of another nationality, somebody of, of another faith. Uh, you're talking to a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or somebody who's a Hindu or a Buddhist. And, and more and more, we see those people in our area in a very good way to have a conversation or start a conversation. Can I ask you a question? Do you, who is Jesus? Number three, where are you on your spiritual journey? That's another good question. Where are you on your spiritual journey? Number four, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Again, that's a very good question if it's somebody of another faith. What do you, what do you under, I want to hear about your religion. I want to hear about your beliefs. What do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Ask a Hindu that. Ask a Buddhist that. Ask a Muslim that. Uh, ask a Jehovah's Witness that. I, I just want to hear from you. What do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Number five, when you die, what do you think is on the other side? When you die, you're not asking, are you going to heaven or hell? Turn or burn. You're not, you're not doing that. But you're asking, you know, when you die... What do you think is on the other side? 
a great question that leads to other conversation. Here's the third clue that will help us have gospel conversation. Number three, I love this one. You ready? Be the someone that someone needs. Be the someone that someone needs. I take that right out of verse 31. I want you to mark it in your Bible. When Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading in verse 30? He replied in verse 31, how can I unless someone explains it to me? You know what he needed? He needed a someone, didn't he? He needed someone to explain it to him. He needed someone to step into his life. He needed someone to help him understand what he could not understand on his own. He had the Word of God in his hand, but he needed someone to explain to him what he was reading. And one of the ways that you could have more gospel conversations is simply to be the someone someone needs. You see, people who don't know Jesus, they need someone who does. Verse 31, so he invited Philip to come up and sit down with him. And in verse 34, he says, tell me. And in verse 35, it says, Philip told him. Number four. Fourth clue is this. If you want to have gospel conversations, number four, focus the conversation on Jesus. Focus the conversation on Jesus. On Jesus. It says in verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. You might want to underline, told him the good news of Jesus. Told him the good news of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what will change somebody's life. Your opinion won't change anybody's life. Arguing with somebody won't change anybody's life. But telling them the good news of Jesus can and will change their life. Now let me give you three steps that will help you to do that. Step number one, pray for opportunities to tell the good news about Jesus. Just ask God on a daily basis to to help you to have gospel conversations. Pray this prayer. Write it down. Pray this prayer. God, help me to be the someone that someone needs today. Pray it tomorrow morning. God, help me to be the someone that someone needs today. Pray it the next day. God, help me to be the someone that someone needs today. So you start out by praying for those opportunities. Number two, then then you watch for God to answer your prayer. Watch, be on the lookout for opportunities that you prayed for. You see, I believe we miss a lot of gospel conversations that God puts right in front of us because we're not looking for them. So you pray for it, then you look for it, and then number three, you speak up and you intentionally try to share Jesus with someone. Write this down. Think in terms of sentences rather than paragraphs. Don't be so focused on, I've got to make this long presentation. I've got to go through this scripture and that scripture and this scripture and that scripture. Point them to the Word of God, but think in terms of sentences rather than paragraphs. If it leads to a longer conversation, praise the Lord. But if it doesn't lead to a longer conversation, at least you've pointed them to the Word of God and to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think in terms of sentences, not just paragraphs. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody look up here. I'm going to give you a challenge. I want to challenge you to have a gospel conversation with someone. And once you do, not if you do, but once you do, I want you to text us and let us know. So how do we do that? Look at the screen. Here's what I want you to do. If you have a gospel conversation with someone, remember a gospel conversation is a conversation where you intentionally talk to someone, tell someone something about Jesus. 
And once you have that conversation, you just text the number 365 to this phone number, 979-0324. Whose phone number is that? It's Chris's. I delegated, you see? It's Chris's number. It's in the bulletin. If you don't remember, if you don't write it down, it's in the bulletin. Put his phone number in your contact list. And so whenever you have a gospel conversation, you don't have to send him a long text and tell him who and what and how and when and where and all that. All you got to do is text him the number 365. That indicates you've had a gospel conversation with someone that day. And when you have, just imagine how it's go- he's going to celebrate when his phone starts buzzing. He looks down and he says 365. And then his phone buzzes again two hours later, 365. I want to blow his phone up. Just 365, 365, 365. And that's how we're going to keep track of it. So not just this week, but every week, between now and September of next year, try to have gospel conversations. Again, I'm not asking you to have 365 of them. I'm saying, can we as a church have 365 gospel conversations between now and next year? What would happen if our church averaged one gospel conversation a day for a whole year only God knows but he does know the one who needs to hear from you see here's what I want you what I want you to hear as I close listen to this you know what this story teaches us in Acts chapter 8 it teaches us the value of one that God's concerned about one you see God's in heaven and he sees this Ethiopian go from this unit go from Ethiopia Two, three thousand miles up to Jerusalem. He sees him worship. He sees him perhaps buy a copy of Isaiah. He sees him coming home, reading the scroll. And God cares about him. He cares about his eternal destiny. He cares about that one who is seeking him but does not yet know him. And so God spoke to Philip and said, Would you go over there and talk to him? Just go down this road. There's going to, why do I need to go? Just go down the road. Who am I going to? I'll show you when you get there. Just go down the road. And when he went down the road, the Spirit of God said, go to that chariot. Because God cares about one. I bet there might be a one in your future. might be this week. Where the Spirit of God would say, go talk to him. Go talk to her. Because I care about that one. Let's pray. Father, I pray that indeed we will be reminded by your Spirit, prompted by your Spirit to have gospel conversations. Uh, Help us wherever it is, whenever it is, and even whoever it is, just to be faithful. Help us to tell someone something about Jesus, maybe even this week. And I ask that in Christ's name. And may lives be changed for eternity because of it. Amen.